Welcome to Ask Andy featuring Andrew Redleaf. Ask Andy is sponsored by Park State Bank. Visit www.parkstatebank.com for all your banking needs. Today I want to take a few minutes and address the anti-inflation arguments that I've seen and read and that I believe are generally the arguments put forth to counter my position that we're going to see problematic consumer price inflation, not just in 2021, but in the period that follows. The principal argument put forth by the Fed and sometimes echoed by private economists, sometimes not, sometimes echoed by private investment people, sometimes not, is that inflation expectations are well contained and that as long as people don't expect inflation, in fact, uh, um, preventing inflation. I, I don't remember if I've spoken to this before, but my major issues with this argument. First, to begin with, but not decisive, the Fed's knowledge of inflation expectations measuring any kind of sentiment is a difficult and uncertain task. The Fed's principal basis for you know their belief that inflation expectations are well contained is the spread between uh, inflation protected bonds and non-inflation protected bonds two issues first of all one serious question is that those spreads are determined by participants in the treasury market and otherwise it's not clear that that is representative of or certainly not inclusive of all businesses and a meaningful sample of consumers. So there could be a dichotomy between the expectations among treasury participants and between businesses and consumers. So that's problem one. We don't really know what inflation expectations are across the broad swath of economic participants. Second, as you know, market sentiment in general is obviously subject to shifts, you know, some gradual, some slow, very often slowly and then all at once. So we really don't know, and the Fed doesn't know, you know, whether a year of inflation, 18 months of inflation, six months of inflation, whether that moves expectations, whether continual pronouncements of an extremely dovish Fed move expectations, perhaps movement in other markets move expectations, you know, perhaps the $2 trillion of market price in crypto actually becomes usable money and therefore a massive increase in the money supply and that gets spent, you know, so all sorts of things that could, you know, slowly and then all at once or all at once and then gradually change expectations, you know, is certainly something that can't be put out of the picture. A further, you know, kind of significant problem with the Fed's pronouncements is there's a bit of a inconsistency or perhaps, I think inconsistency is more the case rather than circularity. So the Fed is saying that expectations are the important thing, the driving force. No inflation expectations, 
therefore no inflation. But at the same time, for decades, in fact, the Fed's principal used to be extremely concerned with preventing inflation expectations from developing, you know, at least at the level of lip service. So now the Fed seems to be saying that, you know, expectations of contained inflation are stable, persistent, and a dominant force. But and therefore, we are going to wait till we see the beast of inflation, persistent, actual uh, CPI inflation before we act. And presumably, any action will uh, easily overwhelm what would have been the buildup of inflationary expectations. So extraordinarily loose and dovish monetary policy hasn't and won't break expectations of low inflation. However, you know, uh, a little bit of tightening sometime in the future would be sufficient to break expectations of inflation once they've actually developed. I think that this argument is really the nub of the problem with Fed policy and only exacerbated by the extraordinarily accommodative policy of recent history and the Fed's own statements indicating, you know, disconcern about inflation and confidence in their ability to break it quickly and painlessly. So it does seem to me that at the point that inflation expectations are being relooped into the system, the Fed will have lost credibility as an inflation fighter. And certainly I and more or less, if there's anything that I think there's sort of universal consensus on, it's that uh, policymakers do not have the stomach for uh, punitive interest rates, punishing recession. There is no Paul Volcker anywhere in the wings. And so it is my expectation that once behind the curve, uh, it will be very, very difficult to uh, jawbone their way in front of the curve or, in fact, to get there. A bit of a restatement or a or a similar uh, form of the inflation expectations argument is that in the last post-financial crises, brief episodes of break tapping on monetary policy, and they were all unnecessary. A little bit of sound of fury in financial markets, but there wasn't price inflation before, there wasn't price inflation after. It's just there is no inflation because there uh, is no inflation built into the, the system. I think a little moving away from expectations, a second line of argument is uh, essentially that coming off of a recession as we have uh, off of COVID, productivity increases are a disinflationary force, and maybe more generally that in this part of human history, productivity can overcome whatever policy pressures might do in terms of uh, policy pushing inflation up, but productivity pushing it down. The problem I have with this argument is that, you know, for all of our lifetimes, for um, all of the post-enlightenment period, though, you know, not all of human history, 
technology has advanced, you know, more or less continuously, and that, you know, technology does not go like time, does not flow backwards, and that while there have been periods of rapid technological advances and periods of less rapid technological advances, it's moved one way. And yet, over history, there has been a tendency for inflationary pressure debasement of currency. And if one looks at places that have been gripped by you know, either uh, persistent inflation and even hyperinflation, uh, while they're not the source of technological advance, um, certainly the whole globe absorbed and benefits from the advances in technology and productivity. So if technological advancement were always a strong enough force to counter inflation. And, you know, in fact, we shouldn't have seen inflation anywhere ever, and we have. The third argument, not put forward by the Fed as far as I know, but common among a certain class of uh, permeables on bonds in the investment community and investment advisors, is that the level of debt is an overhang on the economy, prevents the economy from overheating, and that Debt pressures are a constraint on demand that will buck and slay the inflation dragon. My issue with this argument is, you know, I find it somewhat ahistoric. If one looks at times and places where there's been inflation, um, all of them had debt overhangs too. And in fact, it's a characteristic. A high level of debt is uh, just as much a precursor and a characteristic of inflationary times rather than a depressant. Certainly, if one has debt liquidation that has in the past constrained consumer price increases, but what is the argument that, in fact, we're going to have debt liquidation? And, you know, as long as interest rates are benign or negative, I don't see a deleveraging in the cards or, you know, deleveraging, another word, for debt liquidation. Uh, I mean, in fact, again, the thing that I think is most obvious and the closest to a certainty that one can have in things involving uh, human beings and policy and so forth is that we will not have tight, punishing monetary conditions any time in the future, and that it's extremely likely that real interest rates remain um, extremely low or negative as far as the eye can see. So I do want to uh, caveat this with the awareness that the anti-inflation arguments are real arguments, and at least in time and place and into the intermediate future, they could be right, certainly, you know, on expectations and so forth. It's at least to a degree crystal ball staring, and that could be right. Similarly, there could be a productivity surge coming out of recovery and maybe catalyzed by improvements in uh, artificial intelligence, maybe, or some other technology, not on, on my radar, but out there, or thirdly, a debt liquidation cycle could start. But I think 
the arguments in the other direction are more persuasive and stronger. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ask Andy. If you would like to submit a question, please email askandypodcast at gmail.com. Ask Andy is sponsored by Park State Bank. Visit www.parkstatebank.com for all your banking needs.